What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the LB Sports Pod. I'm Luke Brown, and thank you for joining this episode. April 1st, 2021. It is officially baseball regular season, so I'm hoping every baseball fan's having a great day, a great opening day that is out there. We've got Dodgers Rockies going on right now. This is the LB Sports Pod. You're listening to the LB Sports Pod. Alright everybody, I hope you guys enjoyed that new intro that we have. I got this new microphone, and if you would like to see the microphone and, and really uh, understand what it is like, it's really cool, and I recommend it to anybody who's out there, because I know quite a few people uh, who are listening right now are people that also run a podcast. Um, if j- Just ask me what the microphone is. It's, it's fantastic. It clips onto your desk, and... And it's got this mic arm. It's it's really nice quality. Uh, and then I'm editing the sound on Soundtrap. So for anybody who also runs a podcast, I just wanted to uh, to give you some helpful hints on what to on on how to run your podcast. I love Soundtrap. It it lets you uh, create voice effects and things like that. Um, so the LB Sports Pod. Uh, it is a big day for baseball. Opening day, and we had. Two postponements. Um, Orioles and Red Sox was postponed due to weather, which is kind of a sigh of relief that it's not due to COVID issues already. And then the one thing that is due to COVID is Mets and Nationals. And the Nationals um, have some COVID issues right now. Um, It didn't seem like it was anything major, like we saw with the Marlins about two weeks into the season last season. Um, I think it's about one or two, but it's it's... I really applaud their effort to, to to stay safe, um, and and uh, not play today. If it costs you one game during op- if it costs you your opener, uh, being postponed, then that's what it costs you in this year of cancellations and things like that. But we have now entered our second baseball season, uh, during the pandemic, which is kind of it's crazy. And it, it like it's it's good because we've been able to play now two seasons, uh, but it's also like wow we've been in this pandemic for, uh, for for two for two seasons although we did have the uh, a major delay start, uh, to the first one which was July twenty third, is when those uh, those games happened and then July twenty fourth is when the rest of the rest of the. Uh, week kicked their season off their seasons off um but right now as i record this podcast i'm watching uh the dodgers and rockies game which is now in the top of the fifth um dodgers up to or uh tie game 2-2 which is kind of crazy to think because the rockies are kind of the laughing stock of the league uh and the dodgers are are uh, world champions but i mean it's it's one game it's the first game so it's just kind of a funny score. Um, through the MLB today, and I understand that most of you will be listening to this after um, 
after a, a lot more games are done. But it's uh, it was three two win for the Blue Jays in the tenth tenth inning against the Yankees. A lot of that game is uh, what I watched today. I'm a Yankees fan. For those of you who don't know, um, and here's an update live from the Nats. Uh, the GM of the Nats, Mike Rizzo, says they have three more positive tests among players and possibly one more. So maybe there is a potential outbreak. We'll see what that what that uh, looks like in a little while. But the Yankees, Gary Sanchez had a pretty good game. He hit a home run to get the Yankees their only two points of the game. Um, it was cool to see Vladimir Guerrero again uh, after losing 48 pounds, I believe it was. Um, but for the Yankees, DJ LeMayhew went uh, 0 for 4. Uh, Garrett Cole didn't have his best game, Uh but it was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't it wasn't his best. He had eight eight strikeouts. He let up a homer. Um, so the so the Blue Jays are now uh, one and zero. The Yankees are zero and one. This is how they started off their spring training. Um, but as I tweeted out, the Yankees can st- still go one sixty one and one. And obviously that's a joke, but but that's kind of the reality of spring training is that or of opening day is that if you lose, it's not the end of the world, and if you win, it's not a World Series accomplishment. So so that's how I like to look at opening day. Uh, I lo- But I do love opening day. It's just like, I don't think it's as serious as some of the fans take it. Um, but I was I was happy to see the Yankees on, on ESPN because I'm in Pennsylvania, um, South Central Pennsylvania, that is. So I don't get the Yes Network and the Yankees' um, 162 games of the year. So... So it, it's good to see that. And now that the Yankees are back to being what they are, like, like we had a little bit of a drought after Jeter retired. Uh, and I, 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 I don't want to complain because the Yankees have 27 world championships and something that the Yankees fans talk about. And I feel like if we have the right to talk about our championship wins, we don't have the right to complain. I, I feel like that's kind of how it has to work. Uh, but the Yankees are going to be on ESPN Plus, which I have on Sunday. Uh, then they have a, ge- a series against the Orioles, which I'll be able to watch. So I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'll be able to watch some of the Yankees games coming up. Uh, tonight, the rest of the games on ESPN, uh, we have Braves-Phillies going on. And I'm actually going to switch over to that game as we speak because it is the top of the eighth and tied at two. Um, seems like a better game. So I'm going to switch over there. It's on ESPN Plus. Um uh, just so I can provide maybe some live updates, things like that. Uh, we have Astros and Athletics um, at 10 o'clock tonight, and that shouldn't be a horrible game. The Astros lost a couple pieces. Uh, George Springer, obviously one of those pieces uh, that they lost. But it shouldn't be a bad game. The, the Athletics are, are better than people give them credit for, I think. I think that they have some great hitters and things like that. So I think that they are a little underrated. I don't want to. I don't want to say like, oh, the Athletics are one of the most underrated teams in the league, because I, I don't think that that would be true. But they are uh, a little bit more underrated than people give them credit for. So we are switching over to the Braves Phillies. Oh, I got a bla- a blackout for the Phillies broadcast. Sorry about this, guys. Oh, it's a blackout on everybody's TV screen. Okay, so 
So basketball breaking news earlier, uh, and that's what we're going to get into next, is the breaking news in the world of basketball. Um, UNC coach, legendary UNC coach, uh, Roy Williams, is retiring. And I really, really, really did think this was an April Fool's joke. Like, I, and a lot of people did. But I thought this was just an April Fool's joke. I, I totally did. Um, and I thought it was very, very random for Adam Schefter to be saying an April Fool's joke about a, a, a team that he doesn't, or a, a sport that he doesn't even cover. Because um, that's where I first saw it. I don't know if he broke the news or not, but that is where I first saw it about about Roy Williams. Um and I'm trying to I'm trying to find the uh, couple statements that he but as I saw some of the uh, some of the other major news companies put out notifications and I knew once like once Bleacher Report and ESPN put it on their app and website that it wasn't because I mean a tweet yeah I can totally see that but putting it on your on the homepage of your website totally do not uh, that's totally not something that that they would do um so here we go here's the career stats from Roy Williams nine nine hundred and three wins nine final fours not 79 March Madness wins 500 485 wins at the University of North Carolina three ACC tournament titles two-time AP coach of the year three national championships Nine ACC regular season titles. He's in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And 48 seasons as a basketball coach. Roy Williams. So that is his career as an, as a coach. Um, he spent a long time at UNC. And it's funny because I was actually just watching some of the... Uh, the uh, interviews that he did on The Last Dance, because I am re-watching The Last Dance. Um, so those 903 career wins is the fourth most in uh, D1 history, and he's the only coach with 400 wins at multiple D1 schools, and those two are Kansas and North Carolina. Kansas, where he coached for a little while. Um... And I, I liked how Brett McMurphy, who also covers college football, or also covers football in, in uh, joining Adam Schefter, he was the second place that I saw it. And, but they work for different companies. So that was, uh, was interesting. And then a couple other insiders had to say, this is not an April Fool's joke. This really is true. Um... So, so I like that his last win um, in the Dean E. Smith Center, Dean Smith, another legendary coach at UNC, who he, who he coached with for a while, and they actually coached Michael Jordan together, um, was a 91-73 win over Duke. Um, he got emotional in his, in his uh, retirement announcement, and I'm going to play that for you now. I'm having trouble trouble with the audio, so I'll see if I can get that figured out before the end of the episode. 
Uh, but I'm just kind of scrolling through Twitter here, looking at the different uh, stats and, and so forth that people are talking about. Uh, he's four on trending on Twitter right now, and this is hours and hours after he re- announced the retirement. Uh, but I was shocked initially, um, and I really did think it was an April Fool's joke until until I saw all the major media outlets um, covering it and, and putting out notifications, and I was like, all right. There's no chance that they all join together. Um, and then when the press conference happened, obviously, um, I figured out that it was not an April Fool's joke. But that was that was quite a career that he's had. Um, and I mean, people were kind of giving him criticism for not having an NBA All-Star, and I haven't even verified if that's true or not. Um, but he also co-coached Michael Jordan. I think that might make up for it. I mean, yeah, he wasn't the head coach, but people sometimes act like assistant coaches don't do anything. I mean, so I I thought that was, I mean, there's nothing that you can say that undermines the career that he's had. Like, nobody's calling him the number one coach of all time. Nobody's even calling him the best college basketball coach in North Carolina of all time Uh, because obviously you've got Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski so nobody's even even making these outlandish claims, but then there's people out there who are who are saying who are like, oh, why are you guys giving so much credit to Will Williams? Well, he does deserve it, and I think that he totally, 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 totally deserves it. Um, so that was the first coaching basketball news of the day. The second was about Texas University, and obviously Shaka Smart who was the previous coach at Texas, uh, left to go play at, or to go coach at Marquette, which I didn't really understand, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I still don't understand. Uh, but anyways, Chris Beard, who uh, coached at Texas Tech, went to Texas. And it's a terrific hire. Um, he went to school at Texas, and he's done a great job at Texas Tech. Yeah, he took the Red Raiders to a national title game and an Elite Eight appearance. Uh, obviously, they were they were not a bad team this year with Mac McClung as a transfer from Georgetown, and uh, they went to the to the national championship game a little while ago when when they had one asset and I'm blanking on the name uh, that they had. Jarrett Culver, that was the name. Um, they but they took him to a national championship game and and Culver's a good player, but. But is is was he the guy that takes them to a national championship? I mean, and they got there. And I mean, I would say that coaching had a lot to do with that. So, so I I think that uh, that it was a fantastic hire going to Texas. And who wouldn't want to coach at Texas? To be quite honest, I mean. Uh, it, it's a it's a historic basketball school. It's it's a historic football school, but it also is a major basketball school. They're in uh, arguably the best conference. I don't think so. I think the Big Ten's the best conference for basketball nowadays. But uh, but arguably you can make an argument that they are the best basketball conference. Um. So, so that that was a great hire. Um. And speaking of Texas, we have a Texas showdown. Um, on Saturday evening at five at five fourteen, Houston and Baylor. So let's go to the final four games of this uh, week, and it's Houston and Baylor. 
And this is going to finish off the, uh, the, the March Madness tournament and finish off the college basketball season. So... Uh, it's 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 two very important games, obviously, and it's it's winner go home. The whole tournament has been winner go home, but now we're down to four teams, uh, and Houston and Baylor are two of those teams, and they're playing each other. And I will be honest, and I will go on the record here. I was completely wrong about Houston. Houston has had a fantastic tournament. I hated on them because their only win was a ranked, or their only win against a ranked AP top 25 team was against Texas Tech, um, who's good, but but I don't know about. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't say that that was an insanely impressive win. It was the third game of the season, uh, so I didn't really like them coming into the tournament. But they've only lost three games of the year. But I'm still gonna go with Baylor. I liked how Baylor has been able to play. Uh, they've got Jarrett Butler on their team. They've got Damian Mitchell, two two guards uh, there, and I, I think that they're they're really going to uh, come out of the gates and win this one big. UCLA and Gonzaga, on the other hand, uh, UCLA has had a historic run in the in the tournament. Uh, I didn't even have them winning their first four game. I had them losing to Michigan State when they went to overtime. They were down fourteen in their first four game, and now they're going all the way to the Final Four. I'd love to see them win this game against Gonzaga, but I don't think that they will win this game against Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga has now won 30 games and lost zero. And I just don't think that... The, I, I don't see any reason why this would be the one game that Gonzaga loses. I understand that UCLA's gone on a run, but... That doesn't take away from the 30 wins and zero losses that the Zags have had. Drew Timmy is getting hotter than ever, um, and he's now the leading scorer for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. He's at 19 points a game, 7.2 rebounds a game, and then Jalen Suggs, obviously, 4.5 points per game. So my official national championship game pick is a one seed versus a one seed, Gonzaga and Baylor. And that's that's really impressive that it's a one that in my book it's going to be a one seed and a one seed, considering just how many upsets that we've had. It's impressive that it's that it's coming down to, to these uh, top seeds except for UCLA who's an 11 seed, and uh, I like it's kind of crazy because when when Loyola Chicago went to the Final Four they were an 11 seed, and now UCLA is an 11 seed, so it. it it's like, it doesn't feel the same way, though, because prior to the tournament that year, I never heard of Loyola Chicago, but I've heard of UCLA, and obviously, they've been a one seed in this tournament before. They've gone to the Final Four many times before. They have legendary players and coaches, um, and they, but this was, and well, I mean, their basketball program has, has slowly decreased in, in, uh, in, I don't want to say skill level, but like, recognition and prestige and things like that UCLA is just they haven't they haven't uh, had that same that same fire that they've had before so it doesn't really feel the same way as Loyola Chicago but seed wise it is and and uh, UCLA's had to get through many impressive wins to get to this game um, I mean they just beat Alabama in overtime and they ended up winning by 10 in overtime, they beat Abilene Christian by 20. Uh, they had to beat number six seed BYU, 
and they got them by 11. And then in the first four, they had to beat the other 11 seed, Michigan State, um, by six. So a, a lot of impressive wins, and none more impressive than their win against two seed Bama. Um, but that was that was a really fun game to watch, especially in the fourth quarter when it was coming down to the wire, and UCLA had to make a clutch three pointer, uh, and they did, and it was his first points of the game, uh, who hit that three pointer. So, so it's been cool to watch UCLA, and I love to see them win. Obviously, uh, just to just to kind of make it more of a storyline than it already is, um, that would be really cool, but. I don't think it will happen. I think Gonzaga is just too much. So, that is college basketball. Uh, We had Cade Cunningham declare for the draft today, and I would talk about this for a little while, but we knew he was going to. We know how Cade Cunningham is. He's going to be probably the number one pick in the draft, Uh, but we'll get into that once the draft comes. So, let's talk some football, and let's actually talk about another draft, which is the NFL draft. So, let's go. All right, what I think I want to do here is go through McShay's mock. And this is what I love about having ESPN Plus is that I can just look through these mock drafts that, that McShay and and Kuiper do and just critique them, critique them. And I don't have to watch ESPN um, at 11 o'clock or whenever they do those uh, SC specials. And I, I do usually watch most of them, but I, I like to just have them right on my phone. Um, so so here we go. This is this is Todd McShay's first-round mock draft. I'm going to go through pick by pick um, and then discuss some of these picks because uh, there's rumors going around um, about Mac Jones potentially going at three, which I initially thought was just, uh, how do I say it? baloney but now it's actually like legit so he's got some trades in here and obviously we had uh some some pretty big trades but uh let's go round one uh mock draft so for the jacksonville jaguars it's obviously no surprise trevor lawrence um and obviously i agree with the pick 10 out of 10 uh, Lawrence is just a sensational talent, and I don't think that there's any chance that, that, that the Jaguars uh, don't have Trevor Lawrence by the end of the evening on uh, April 29th. New York Jets, Zach Wilson. Um, I agree with this, 8 out of 10. Uh, I like Zach Wilson uh, a little bit. I don't like him as much as a lot of GMs like him. I thought his pro day was impressive, but I feel like a lot of people are, are putting a lot of hype into pro days when there shouldn't be that much. Um, I just feel like the 40 times is just they're getting way too much hype because people don't realize that some of these guys are having like five, six attempts to do their 40 time. Um, it's And it's not like the combine. So, so I, I don't... I think that the pro days are getting a little bit too much hype, but with that being said, I think Wilson made a lot of fantastic throws, and I think Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network said it perfectly uh, when he was making some of these throws that people don't realize how hard this is to make some of the throws that he's making right now. So so I think that uh, that he is that his, his, pro, his pro day was impressive, I think. 
Um, number three was uh, to the 49ers, obviously, Mac Jones. And uh, and I, I, I go back and forth here, and I think that at the end of the day, I'm not going to be the one making this decision. And if I was John Lynch, 49ers GM, I would be, oh my God, I can't even imagine what he's going through right now. I would say that they already know who they're gonna pick, just because why would you why would you give up that much if you don't know that you want this guy? But is Mac Jones really the guy that they gave up three? I think it was three number ones for. Is it really that? I just don't know. I I think that that would be a little idiotic. But who knows? I mean, Mac Jones does fit their system better than the rest of the quarterbacks that are on the board here. I don't really see, uh, I don't, I don't see Justin Fields being the correct fit. But does Mac Jones really jump this far? I mean, his draft stock improves so much from doing absolutely nothing. Um, and I, um, that doesn't that's not a shot at Mac Jones. It was just how these trades went down. Obviously he wasn't gonna go three to Miami. Um and and I think that I don't I don't know if the forty ers would take him at twelve, but but if I I now feel like prior to this trade he would have gone ahead of Trey Lance because he probably would have gone at twelve if Trey Lance and him were the two options at QB. Um, obviously we had that statement from the 49ers saying that Jimmy G is their guy, but all the mock drafts have them taking a QB, and I don't see them not taking a QB, to be quite honest. Uh, number four to the Falcons is Kyle Pitts, and this is where I saw a lot of mock drafts after, uh, his pro day, and I wouldn't particularly like this because I really, really want Kyle Pitts to be able to fall and go to my Broncos, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think Kyle Pitts is going to end up being a Falcon. I, I I agree with this. I think that they could use him as well. Um, they've they got Hayden Hurst, who who wasn't bad but wasn't good. Um, he was very underwhelming for the for the Falcons this year. Um, but Pitts would be a great fit there because not only can he can he go tight end, but I also think that they might flex him into a wide receiver at some points. Um, on a lot of teams, so. So I like the pick there. Jamar Chase at five. I really like this pick. Uh, they could totally use him. A.J. Green is gone. Um, they've got T. Higgins, who's going to be really good someday. But they could use this piece. And obviously, it's a guy that Joe Burrow likes, um, which is good because he's the franchise quarterback there. Um And I I like this pick a lot. I think Jamar Chase would be a good fit there. And his SEC rival goes next, Devontae Smith to the Dolphins. I think this would be a good pick, and this is a pick that the Philadelphia Eagles would probably be shaking their heads and kicking themselves about because they had this sixth pick. And if if Devontae Smith was going to fall to six anyways, then they, they shouldn't have even traded it. And I don't think it was a smart trade for the Philadelphia Eagles. They have... Uh, assets for the future. They have those picks in the future, but but who knows who they who they would have ended up with at that six pick, and it could have been somebody really really good. Um, but it also could, they also could have made another stupid decision, um, and made a and made a bad pick. So who knows? I mean, maybe that's just a shot at the Eagles, but I, I don't know. 
I mean, Smith is obviously good, and I think he would fit in well for the for the Dolphins there. Um, so, so I wouldn't be mad at the pick. Obviously, I think it would be a really good fit for the for the Dolphins. Trey Lance goes seven to the Panthers. Um, this is interesting. And I don't agree with it. I think that Justin Fields is clearly going to go up, uh, above Trey Lance. I don't think that GMs like Trey Lance that much. I honestly don't think that they do. Um, but no, I don't agree with this at all. Uh, Jalen Waddle, 8 to the... Oh, and that was... Was that a trade? Yeah, okay. That was a trade. So he has a trade there. The Panthers slide up one spot to secure their QB. Uh, so I guess the Panthers were eight, the Lions were seven, so they just flip-flopped, and I'm sure that there's some other pieces there. Uh, so Jalen Waddle goes eight. I would, I think, I, I think this would be a good idea. I think that, that Waddle would be a good fit there. Uh, they need a wide receiver. They need a lot of everything. Uh, this gets their new QB, Jared Goff, a couple weapons. Um, so I think this would be a good pick. I'm going to move my mic real quick. I got this new mic and I really love it. Alright, that's better. Alright, so we have number nine, Patrick Sertan, going to my Denver Broncos. I wouldn't love this because they picked up two CBs in free agency, and uh, it was Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller. So I don't really feel like, like obviously we could use it, but but I don't think that we need it. Um, and at this point, I don't really know where we should what we should do because a lot of the guys that I that my like my dream scenario guys are gone. A lot. A lot of the other mocks have us taking Micah Parsons from Penn State. I wouldn't love it. I know he has big character issues or character concerns. I don't want to say issues, concerns. Um, he's actually from the neighboring town of mine, so I've been kind of watching him since high school. Um, yeah, so I've watched him for a long, a long time. It would be kind of cool if a guy from the neighboring town of mine and went to Penn State who. A lot of people are big fans of Penn State around here. I'm a Maryland fan. Um, but back to the pick here. Patrick Sertan, I wouldn't be mad at it. I think that Patrick Sertan is really, really impressive. Um, his coverage from, from Alabama. But another CB goes in the next pick, and it's J.C. Horn uh, from South Carolina, who I really like. Uh, I would actually rather have J.C. Horn than Patrick Sertan, and that's a hot take. Um but I, I think it I think it would be beneficial to the Broncos if they took uh, JC Horn instead at that at that number nine spot. So this would be a steal for the Cowboys, um, obviously. So uh, there's another trade here. He has the Patriots and Giants trading. So the Patriots go get the final Big Five QB at number eleven, Justin Fields is going to be a Patriot in this mock draft. And this would be one of the storylines of the night, is that um, this this kid from Ohio State is just going to come in and be the quarterback for a team who 
who signed Cam Newton, and I guess the question would be, is, is Cam Newton going to be the starter, or is, is Justin Fields going to be the starter? And the way that Newton played last season, Justin Fields should be the starter. And I, I know Cam Newton said, like, block out the noise, this is my year or something, but he says that every year. So I'm not saying that it's not going to be, but I'm saying that that I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I know, like, it's you're kind of guilty to a proven innocent in a, in a way. Um, but I, I would like this pick. I think that he would he would bring a new style of offense to the Patriots that's much needed uh, because the, other than last season, the Patriots haven't had a running quarterback in so long. And now you have a kid who was like, I think it was like 0 0.02 uh, milliseconds behind, behind uh, 0 0.20, 0 0.02 seconds. Maybe, is that? I don't know. Uh, but he was very close to Michael Vick's 40 time. And I, and I know I said the pro day, and it's not exactly quite as accurate as some people believe. But still, Mike Vick's speed, speed, anywhere close to Mike Vick's speed, is going to bring a different style of offense to Tom Brady's uh, style of offense. So then you have Michael Parsons uh, staying in his home state, uh, and going to the Eagles at 12. And in my mock draft uh, pre-free agency, I actually had Parsons going 6 to the Eagles. So so that would be a shocker. And a lot of Eagles fans didn't like the pick at number 6, but maybe that was just because there was better options at 6. Uh, and obviously there's less options at 12. So... So I, I think this would would be a bad pick. Um, I actually want to read what, what McShay has to say here. So he said in his bio, uh, or in his explanation of the pick, I guess, let's start with the bad news. As we thought might be the case, the Eagles miss out on the top four pass catchers in the class and after their trade after their trade out of number six overall. That's a problem. The wide receiver room has Jalen Rieger, Greg Ward, and Travis Fulgham as the top three options, not leaving QB Jalen Hurts in the best position to find success in an even in an oh, evaluation <laughs> Duh. evaluation period. But here's the good news. The Eagles hold 11 picks this year, the most in the NFL, in a draft with a deep right receiver class. The 2022 first-rounder received in the trade will certainly pr prove valuable, and Philly can still land a guy like Parsons here. And he can do a little bit of everything in the middle of this defense. Yeah, I agree with most of what he said. Um... And but he, he he talked about the lack of receivers that that the Eagles hold. Well, why wouldn't they go for a receiver? And let's look at the next pick receiver that they have, which is actually kind of far down here. Kadarius Tony is the next guy they have picked. Well, they wouldn't take him at twelve. I'm shocked that they that he has Kadarius Tony that high. Okay, well, actually, there's not a whole lot of receivers. I, I honestly think that a, that a potential move that the Eagles might do is trade down and just go for a receiver there, as there's a shot from, who is that, Cabrera. Oh, it's Melky Cabrera for the Diamondbacks. It's 4-4, bottom of the sixth for, for the Rockies and Dodgers. Uh, as I record this, 
So I feel like a, a viable move for the for the Eagles is just to trade down. Uh, I'm actually just gonna do the top 16 picks, and I might end up doing the top in the bottom 16 picks later, because I did not think that we, it was gonna be this long. But I mean, we've uh, we've been recording for a while, but it's been a, it's been a fun episode. Uh, Panay Soul goes to 13. I do not think that Soul is gonna fall this far. Uh, I don't think that he, that he ever would fall that far, uh, all the way to 13. So that is a that is far. Hmm. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I think that the Chargers could use a, a an offensive tackle, but I think that tackle is going to be Rashawn Slater who goes in the next pick, um, so I'll be right back. All right, so Rashawn Slater is the next pick here for the Minnesota Vikings, um, and I really like Slater. I mean, I don't like him better than Sewell, but I do really like Slater and his high school team. They won two games. He was like a two-star, one-star recruit. He ended up keep he, he kept working. He, he got to Northwestern. And now he's a first-round pick in the NFL draft. So I do really like Rashawn Slater. Um, I don't necessarily see him going to the Vikings, but I don't I don't dislike the pick either. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But but I, I, I kind of like the pick, to be quite honest. I, who knows what will happen. But, um, but uh, uh, the 15th pick, and this is... This was previously held by New England, um, and it's a mock trade that he had. So obviously, Pats go up to take Fields, and and the Giants fall to fifteen to take Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame. And I want to read this. So let's read this uh, this uh, little bio thing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that if the see the Giants look at USC guard Elijah Vera Tucker, but Tucker. Uh, but they just took the three linemen in their first five rounds last year, including Andrew Thomas at number four overall. And while the defense was stellar last season, getting defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, a versatile, rangy, fast, instinctive linebacker like Awusu Koromoa, will help keep it that way. So I I, I do like Koromoa. Um, Coming out of Notre Dame, he makes he makes insanely big hits. Like you can hear him from your TV, um, like the mic from the press box. You can hear the hits that he has. Um, I mean, Notre Dame has loved him. I th- the coaches have had nothing but but positive things to say about him. So, so I think that he is legit, and he would work well with the Giants. Uh, then for our last pick that we're going to go over, it's a trade. Dolphins make yet another first-round move and a mock trade with Arizona to send them to the 16th pick. And I would assume that they're giving up their 18th? Yes. So Elijah Vera Tucker uh, with Devontae Smith off to help to a Tagovoa. We can now look to protection. Veritaka has played at tackle, but he's still a better fit at guard in the NFL. Miami took 34 sacks last season, and Tagovoa was blitz at the fourth highest rate in the league, 35.3% of his dropbacks. So, 
to put that in perspective, a, a play drive, and a play drive would mean how many, like, on your drive, how many actual plays are you running besides punts. Um, you be, most of the time you have three downs. Unless it's like fourth and one, or fourth and two, fourth and inches really is what it comes down to. So you have three plays about 90% of the time. So, at least one of those is going to have a, a blitz on Tua Tagovailoa. You need protection. And I think Veritak is good. I think he's really good. Um, and he was he was good at USC. I think he'll be good in the NFL. Tua is also a very mobile quarterback, so he needs that protection. Um, so I think it would be a good move to, to put him... Uh, with the Dolphins, and I, I think that that would work pretty well. And that concludes our mock draft review, and that also concludes our episode of the LB Sports Pod. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the LB Sports Pod. Uh, and we will be back sometime soon with another episode talking sports, talking basketball, talking football, talking baseball, now that baseball is back. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it, and I'll see you later.